What's up, podcast buddies? Great to be back. I had a little time off here as I was focused on, you know, some of the events that I'm doing and also my new online community called the High Vibers Club. But uh, listen, got to get back in this podcast. This is truly what I love doing the most. So it means a lot that you're going to spend a few minutes with me here today. We're going to talk to Christine Anderson. She is that German politician who had the guts to stand up in European Parliament and just bust Justin Trudeau's balls. And of course, it went viral and she became an instant uh, hero here in Canada. Um, I'll play that clip for you in a sec to remind you of who she is. And we'll jump into a quick convo with her. She's still in Germany, but she's making her way over here in Toronto um, or in Canada in about a week or so. She'll be doing some stops in Calgary, Toronto, Montreal, on uh, Whitby, and uh, full details will be in the link of this episode. But listen, quick heads up. I've been hard at work putting together some events, uh, Kid Carson and Friends. You know, we did our first one back in November. It was so special. Uh, tears, hugs, uh, connection. It was just awesome. So thank you so much if you were there back in November here at the Paradox Hotel in Vancouver. So we decided let's do it again. We're going to do a couple more. I'm not sure how many of these we'll do, but they're so unique. And it's such a, a great feeling to be in the room with other awake, like-minded people. And also just to learn from some really inspiring people that, uh, hey, we're doing it again. So the next one's coming up February 25th in Toronto, the Western Harbor Castle. It's a full day thing, 9 till 5 with a VIP event at night to like 8 to 11. That's uh, where we do the drinks and a little canapes and hang out. Kid Carson and Friends, February 25th in Toronto. Get your tickets at kidcarson.com. And if that's something that you can't be a part of because of, I don't know, where you live, please uh, check out our community. It's brand new. It's called the High Vibers Club. That's what it's all about. Building community, bonding, being aware, but not getting all sort of Debbie Downer on all the things that are happening. So this is an uplifting place where we can just thrive in the face of all that's going on. My High Vibers Club, details at kidcarson.com. Okay, let's jump into it. Christine Anderson, let's play this clip to remind you of that viral moment when she stood up in Parliament in Europe and said some things about Justin Trudeau that we were all feeling. With Mr. Trudeau, who tramples on fundamental rights by persecuting and criminalizing his own citizens as terrorists just because they dared to stand up to his perverted concept of democracy should not be allowed to speak in this house at all. Mr. Trudeau, you are a disgrace for any democracy. Please spare us your presence. Thank you. Hi there. There she is. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. I haven't seen your face since you were standing in Parliament ranting about our Prime Minister. And I just, my heart just filled with joy. I'm like, oh my yeah. God, who is this woman? And, and you were shared so much across Canada. It was such a beautiful moment because no one was standing up for us anywhere around the world. Can you give us a little introduction of people who don't know who you are? They might recognize your face and go, oh my God, that's the woman. I guess I'm I'm a person. I just uh, yeah do have trouble keeping back when you know I disagree with with something. So people always know where they stand rather than you know buttering them up or whatever. And on that day, it just so happened that uh, your prime minister Justin Trudeau showed up in EU Parliament, and to me that was just like really he he's literally terrorizing his own citizens. Um, undermining democracy uh, and all of this. And he shows up here to lecture us on freedom, democracy, and the rule of law. Well, uh, as you are aware, I had a thing or, or two to say about that. Thank God. When you don't hear anyone sort of representing how you feel, it can feel quite isolating. 
that's actually the stuff uh, 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 violence is made of. You know, if you disenfranchise people and leave them with no voice and totally uh, undermine their democratic rights or whatever, you know, that is actually fostering uh, uh, violence. I mean, what else will people do if they have no recourse left? And uh, it might actually be that that is kind of like what they're going for, you know, to instill that uh, yeah, violent outbursts so they can say, well, see, we, we told you, they're all, you know, extremists, they're uh, violent and all that. Maybe that's what they're going for. I don't know. But if you have people that have no voice of themselves because they've been muffled, and if there is no one uh, speaking up for them, um, that's what you actually uh, foster. No, That's why it's so impressive that the people in Ottawa, the truckers, didn't resort to violence, that they kept it so peaceful and exactly. could have easily gone weird. I know, and that set them apart so gracefully from your Canadian government. I know that you have experience with overcoming communist vibes uh, growing up. Yeah. Your dad was in prison. Can you give us a little bit of background on that? So um, I actually did not have to overcome communism myself mm. um, because I was born and raised in Western Germany. But that I owe to my father, who in 59 fled communism, uh, GDR. And he did so after he had been imprisoned by the Russians. He was locked up, or he was tried uh, in 50, and he was sentenced to 25 years of hard labor to Bautzen. The people around it called it the yellow misery, one of the most horrific political prisons you could imagine. Luckily, he didn't have to serve the 25 years. He uh, was released after five years. And that was 55, so he came back. And he still wouldn't shut up. I mean, you know, there... Obviously, they were going for, well, he has learned his lesson now and, you know, we have him under control. He will comply. Well, he no, he didn't. Uh, he still wouldn't shut up. And the second time they were going to come for him, uh, that was 59. But that time he was warned. He decided to flee the country, which he did. My mother then fled the country, too, with my two older sisters who were born at that time already. And uh, yeah, so that's the reason I was born and raised in Western Germany. However... I did experience communism firsthand because every opportunity we got uh, to go anywhere on a weekend or something like that, we would go see my relatives who were all still in GDR. So yes, I did experience that communist regime. I do remember the terror and the horror uh, we were going through, just thinking about having to cross the border now and having the border patrol take our car apart you know, just to find something, um, uh, literally harassment, making our lives miserable. And then on top of that, we had to pay to get even in, you know. Uh, so there was like 25 Deutschmark back then per day, per uh, adult. And for kids, it was like 15 uh, German marks back then. That, I mean, that was a lot of money. But uh, so you, you had to pay to be harassed and you had to pay to possibly even be held uh, by the border patrol, patrol for whatever, you know, they accused you of. So I, I do remember that. And I do remember whenever we came to our, my aunt, for instance, uh, we would drive the car into the yard and they would shut the, the gate so no one would even see that someone from, from Western Germany is there. And she would close all the windows throughout the house just to make sure no one would stand outside and listen to what we were talking about. 
because in GDR, the walls did have ears. So you were never safe. You never knew who was going to rat you out. There was absolutely no guarantee. So I do remember all of that. Yes. And uh, like I said, I don't ever want anyone having to live in such a regime ever again. That's why I'm probably so outspoken about it. And the other point is this, I see the signs and we are well on our way to getting there. And the thing is this, now we still have the time or the opportunity to do something about it. But once you have this fully blown totalitarian regime, you may not ever get a chance to do anything about it anymore, especially considering the technological means of surveillance they have today. We are really in a scary place right now. And if we don't do anything about this and it does get to a fully blown totalitarian state, we're not talking about 40 years of GDR and we're not talking about 70 years of Soviet Union. We will then talk a very, very, very long time. And the question remains, and who will step in and do anything about it? It's not gonna be China, it's not gonna be North Korea and it's not gonna be Russia. And all the Western democracies are in on this who will bail us out? Quite simple. It has to be the people and no one else. And if the people don't do it, if we don't do it, then we're screwed. Canadians, especially because we have been so conditioned to believe that we are the freest and the best. And, you know, I, I look back now at my childhood and I think, oh, my God, so much of that was indoctrination. It's so, such a weird feeling because Canada is my home. I have this image of feeling like we were all of those things. We think we have the best healthcare. We actually have some of the worst. It's just such a, a mind screw when you start to wake up to this stuff. Most of us can't even wrap our minds around what you're saying that that could be possible. What are the things that you see specifically? Well, first of all, let's talk about this gaslighting going on. You know, as you said, people, they believe you guys have the best healthcare system in the world. You know, you are being told this over and over and over again. There is this gaslighting. Uh, you need to get this mRNA injection and you will, you know, it's solidarity and do it for your loved ones. And, you know, all of this, but they do not say that, hey, by the way, we didn't test this stuff. We don't even know what this stuff is doing. It might kill you, but you, you need to get it. So like, there's a lot of this going on. And that was, that is pretty much the blueprint in every totalitarian state is to um, reverse the facts or paint them in a, in a way that it doesn't match reality. But if you keep hearing it over and over and over again, you know, they're literally stealing your reality. And that's what gaslighting is. You mm. see something, but you're being told, no, 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 no. What you're seeing is not true. It's something entirely different. And this is going on. And we have this in GDR. We have this in Nazi Germany. Um, so, or take, for instance, uh, uh, fundamental rights. They have now been framed into privileges that the governments can grant or withhold depending on how you behave. That's not what fundamental rights are, but they made them into these privileges. And the most scary part about this is a lot of people are cheering the government on. Please withhold more fundamental rights. Please do that and punish the ones that insist on exercising their fundamental rights. I mean, how sick is this? And this is going on. Um, when you look at the, the Eastern European countries, 
or even uh, the, the Eastern states in Germany that were former GDR, these people, they do not fall for it, at least not in that huge amount of numbers as they do in the West, because they still remember. Mm. And they have learned how to read a newspaper. The interesting point is not what's in the paper. No, the interesting stuff is not in the paper, respectively, what is between the lines. And they know how to read a newspaper. And they are accustomed to the fact the government, they're a bunch of crooks, and they will do everything they can to lie to you at every opportunity they get. That's the mindset they grew up with. And they realize, no, the government is not your friend. Why is the government not your friend? Because you have rights and we bestow rights onto the government, but they're never satisfied with that. They want to increase their power and they have to do that at our expense. So if they stepped in and rounded the people up, locked them up, all hell will break loose. Now what they're doing, no, no, no. We, we kind of have to take that right from you, but it's for your own good. It's for, well, I mean, we are your friend. No, government is not our friend. So that why that does not resonate in the Eastern European uh, countries and in the Eastern states of uh, Germany, because they, they remember what totalitarianism looked like. They recognize the mechanisms, they recognize the signs, they recognize the lying. They recognize all of that. And they are seeing it now in our Western democracy. And uh, the reason it doesn't work that way in the Western democracies, actually very simple. In the West, we are spoiled brats. Yes. We have no idea. We have no idea that freedom, democracy, and the rule of law, it wasn't always there. It had to be wrestled from former elites. And a lot of people shed their blood over this fight. Why? So their children could live in a freer world. That's what this is all about. And now we're thinking, well, it's always been there. It'll always be there. And whatever the government says, it's all good because they're, all... no, the government is never your friend. They need to be checked. They need to be uh, held back in their ever increasing thirst for even more power. And that's what people in the Western democracies I don't know why they don't get it. You know, if I look back, I mean, I would say up until, let's say like the, the mid, late 80s, we were living in a democracy for the most part. I mean, you had media pluralism. So if you read different newspapers, yeah, they were covering the same story, right? But they all highlighted different aspects of it or, you know, presented a different angle on how to look at it, you know? So it wasn't the same thing. Nowadays, take any newspaper. I mean, sometimes down to the word, it's exactly the same. Look at, at the, the uh, leaders of the world. Remember what they spat out during COVID, built back better, safe and effective. Everyone was using the same exact words. Yeah, that's brainwashing. That's what you do when you want to try to gaslight a mass and brainwash a mass. You keep hammering in the same words over and over and over again. That's how it works. And from your perspective, Christine, who's at the top of that, handing out the scripts? If I knew, I would tell you, trust me, but I don't know. I don't think, like, you know, most people would expect me to say, well, it's probably Klaus Schwab. No, he's not. He's a puppet. I mean, you know, he is presenting their sick idea. I have no idea who actually pulls the strings, who is calling the shots. So the WEF, 
to me is more like a, a think tank that is coming up with ways um, to get whatever they want, whoever that is, implemented. So we want this, you know, come up with a way that we could get the people in line without them realizing that we're actually pulling off a globalitarian regime here. That's mm. what the WF is. So I don't think Klaus Schwab is, uh, is, is, he's not calling the shots. He's a puppet. But whoever is behind that, I do not know. And these people are clever enough not to ever disclose who they actually are. Mm. If you don't know who your enemy is, who are you going to fight against? That's a very clever tactic, war tactic, actually. Hide who the actual enemy is. Yeah, then you waste all your energy screaming and pointing exactly. at your local politicians. <laughs> exactly. How do you not go crazy with all, all of these things that you know? Well, um, I have to say dark humor actually does the trick. I mean, if I, you know, had lost my humor and, and you know, not being able to make fun of all of this crap they're proposing to us. I mean, yeah, I would be in a really dark place, but right. I found a way to just, you know, ridicule it and, you know, come up with, you know, funny ways of uh, presenting it or whatever. So it's, it's actually that, that keeps me sane. And this is great that you're coming to Canada. People are going to be very excited to see you in person. I'm looking really forward to, to coming over. It's going to be next week already. You're going to be in um, Calgary on February 18th. And there's still some tickets left for that show. So if you're in Calgary, uh, grab the last few. Then Toronto, February 21st, Whitby the 22nd, and in Montreal on the 24th. And and you can see Christine live in person. This has been great chatting with you. It's been great with you. I felt really comfortable talking to you. I was supposed awesome. to come last year for your national uh, 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 holiday, but uh, unfortunately, since I'm not vaccinated, uh, I wasn't allowed to travel to Canada. Hmm. But uh, this time we'll make it happen. Like I said, I just uh, really want to want to see your beautiful country. And I do want to meet the people that gave so much hope to millions of people around the world when they got on their trucks and when the trucks started rolling. Like I always say, these trucks were not only rolling in Canada. Uh, symbolically, they traveled and rolled all over the globe and inspired so many people, millions of people, who then also felt inspired to stand up and speak up and do something about their corrupt governments. Christine, you're awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs>